Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. And yes, today is going to be our last talk about our soil. Um, we're going to be going through the good soil section. And I just want to give you guys an update about the church. And we are now almost done of having an account with the bank. And that would lead us into allowing people to be able to donate. In one of these episodes, I may actually just put at the bottom once we have a website created, which I have a friend that will be working on that. And you'll have access to be able to donate towards that church. Uh, we're excited. That means that also we'll be able to get the, from the charity the money that's going to be given to us annually, which will allow us to be able to move out there. So there may be a time where maybe couple weeks where I may not be doing any podcasts or if I do be through the phone because it will be in the in the movement of moving and you know trying to get a house or rent or however the Lord may open the door for us and that's something you guys could be praying for we really would like to own a house um we've never owned one and it's just been just really hard these last 10 years and no steady income let alone even a steady uh, opportunity to be able to do it and I think a lot of it was because God was trying to teach us for one, but two, he was just preparing us so that we get to this point. So it's really exciting, and I really would appreciate you guys' prayers. Um, we're going to be calling it Echo Church, basically. Um, and it's going to be up in the mountains, so you know it's going to be a pretty neat opportunity for us. And yeah, we're going to just need prayer and direction, you know, what, what's the best way to start. And, you know, I think God will provide. Anyway, so we are now, we're still in Matthew. I know the first time when I did it, it was in Luke. But I really like how Matthew did it because he's a little bit more detailed. I, I thought Luke would be pretty good, but I'm liking, I'm liking Matthew more. And we're down to basically verse 23. And it says, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear. And understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. So I want to I want to focus on the first part because the second part we're going to talk after the commercial more. The first part, it represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. Now, if we go back to verses 14 and 15, it mentions when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, to so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let them let me heal them. So to clarify, that statement is for people who do not understand christ is right so later on we get to the good soil and those people who actually do hear and do understand because they have clearly seen it they looked at because i mean you look at the time that this was more mostly discussed it was only the old testament which means that if you go into the old testament there clearly is prophesying about jesus you know, he's, he's in, in Isaiah and Daniel. Um, there's clearly a future that's been talked about, a future kingdom, a future uh, presence. Isaiah talks about Emmanuel. That, that, you know, he doesn't use the word Jesus Christ, but he uses the word Emmanuel. And that's basically 
who Jesus is. He's called that. So we, we get the Old Testament explaining to us of a future king. But see, in this time, many Jews were looking for a future war king. Someone who would come in like King David, who would come in and defeat Rome and reestablish Israel as the kingdom. When Isaiah wasn't talking about Israel as a king, he was talking about God's kingdom. But you see, a lot of times people in their mindset, especially the Jews, were very focused on themselves being the chosen ones, so much so that they never thought about anybody else also embracing what Christ would bring or what Emmanuel would bring. So they only thought from perspective Israel becoming a great kingdom again. But in reality, what it is is that Jesus came not for Israel only. He came for all Gentiles. And it was clearly expressed in the New Testament, especially with Paul, that his missionary work wasn't just for Jews. You know, if you remember, if you ever studied up in Acts, he does have a vision about going to Asia Minor, which is basically Turkey and um, Ottoman, like the Ottoman Empire, basically where that is from World War One. So that whole section is where he basically ends up going and he visits all these towns and there's already people who've heard about this Jesus and he all he had to do was just walk in there and teach the truth. He understood their culture, he understood how they thought, he understood the you know where their mindset was and so he taught with that understanding, which is why it's very important for any church to understand their demographic. You cannot take something that you've created in a city and bring it out to the country and expect it to work and vice versa. You can't take something that worked in the country, come to the city and make it work. I mean, technically that's one of my main issues for some people I've met in my past who think that it worked where they were at one point, they could bring it to the city and it'll work the same way and it doesn't because the, the demographic is so different. And I learned that from my experience from leaving Colorado, moving to Connecticut, it's a different world. So I had to teach a different way and the inexperience of many people I ran into, you know, I had to up, you know, especially with the teens and young adults, I had to re take them through the process of understanding Bible stories and understanding how to study the scriptures, how to pray, and, and kind of engrave that into them where, you know, most people in Colorado that I met already understood that part, but struggled that application. So anyway, that's a different thought. So some people were able to hear and understand. And that's, and that's what's so cool about the last section of the soil. These people understood good soil. They understood that when they accepted Christ... It wasn't for fire insurance. They believed in sincerity of what Christ did for them. They had a strong foundation because the church offered a strong foundation. The atmosphere in the church was a strong foundation so that they did not just get lost or they didn't just accept quote unquote Christ and now what is the mindset right after that? They shouldn't be thinking that way. They should, they should f figure out or 
he directed helped understood how to get into the community and figure out through serving through small study through listening to the pastor to finding maybe a mentor for them that can go like alongside with them in their walk and encourage them and build them up because they're hungry that's why paul describes it as like a baby you know where you feed milk a lot a new christian is like a baby and if you guys have ever had a baby or been around a baby or know of a baby you know that hunger is not something that is not something like how you do as an adult where you know hey you get up you go get food now you know a baby can't do that though what do they do they cry and they ask mommy and daddy for food okay because they can't fend for themselves and that's how we kind of have to actually look at new christians they can't fend for themselves why because the one thing you gotta understand is satan doesn't want a christian to grow so if he can send his minions you know the enemy can come in at that time the, the worst and probably the hardest time for any new christian is when it's probably that first few weeks to a month they'll be excited with joy but the enemy is looking for kinks and as soon as they find it they're going to start pushing on those kinks to try to get you if you're a new christian to start doubting I mean, doubt is already starting to get pushed, but you're so excited. You know, there's that, the Holy Spirit's in you, you're excited. That's the best time, right? But it's also the worst time. Because if you're not being founded during that time, you're not being uh, brought, you know, brought up with a mentor, brought up with a group, something that's holding you down on a foundation of Christ. There's always that time after when the, like we call it the honeymoon phase, is kind of gone. And that's when the enemy starts striking hard. How are you handling it? Because if you if your if your roots were in rocky ground, like we talked about a few weeks ago, what's going to happen to you? You're, you're going to not have a strong root because you weren't on the on the solid ground. You were on a rocky ground, which I think many seeker churches create for a lot of young new christians they don't get that strong nutrient ground that allows their roots to grow thick and strong into the ground so that when something happens they don't just get ripped out that's why it's so important to understand that this this moment when someone accepts christ the church not one person the church should be striving to build a nice strong foundation in discipleship and it's not just hey come to church it's not just hey uh go to the bible study you know there should be people that should get around that person and encourage them so even in that small group there should there should be people that you could probably use as a mentor there because if you're in the same study you know you guys can meet outside of the study time outside of sunday like the thing is, it can't be just a Sunday only time and expecting a new Christian to grow. Because they will, but their roots will be really thin. That's why it's so important, guys, as men in our church, to recognize this need for discipleship in our church. 
And this is not just for men on men. This is even for the women in our church. How is your church providing a good foundation for new Christians that come into your church? Let alone older Christians. How are we getting, you know, strengthened, you know, getting the nutrients, getting things that we need? Because even someone who's been a Christian for 20 years is still going to have struggles. And if you don't have a good foundation in your church, a good atmosphere by your leadership, it will show. It will show. Because the thing is, understanding the truth requires study time. It requires you to, to learn on your own. It requires you to grow in your own faith just as much as it is going to places to grow. Taking what you hear and providing it into your life, like applying what has been given and applying it into how you live. Learning how to pray. If you have a hard time praying, learn how to pray. Pray on your own. Just you could be quiet in your own corner. I mean, it's it's recommended to go find a closet or a space and just pray. You don't. There's no system or rule of how to pray. Jesus gave us an example of how to pray, which is the best place to start. If you want to learn how to pray, look up the Lord's Prayer. That will give you the parameters of a of a good solid prayer. Okay? You could pray the Lord's Prayer, but that's not learning from it. Should you memorize it? Sure. Because that is the information that you could pass on to someone else to give them an example of the Lord's Prayer. But it teaches you understanding of how to pray. So you pray. You want to learn how to study the Bible. There's devotional books that you can get. I would ask that you ask pastor in your church or maybe another leader. Or even if you have a mentor, ask them, gentlemen. Ask them if they can recommend a devotional book. There is nothing wrong with men getting serious with God. In fact, there's several Pretty decent solid men books out there that you could find and that's the one thing the fact that there is not many good solid men devotional books is very sad to hear because it is needed men need a bible study they need to have something that allows them to go a little deeper with god so i would suggest that if you feel called to write a devotional book because you feel the same desire that I feel with men, do it. Because it is needed. Men need Bible study books. Two, read your Bible. If it's boring, too bad. Learn. It's God speaking to you. You're basically telling God he's boring. There's ways to go and learn about the Bible. You can look up words you can figure out what they really mean. Like you don't need to go to school to learn that there's Greek meaning behind the scriptures or that there's Latin or whatever it may be that you can gain this understanding by looking up online. There is plenty of commentaries that you can use. You can go like a Bible gateway. You can use Crosswalk. You can use uh, many different Bible programs that are out there. Even some of the apps in our phones have connections to commentaries. Use them. That's how you get better understanding in your scripture. 
So you guys, there's there's no excuse for us to build a stronger foundation. I want you guys to think about that as we go to our commercial. Be right back. Hey guys, welcome back. And yes, we've been talking about Matthew 13, the last of the soil, and talking about the good soil. And we were just mentioning how there's ways that we can actually build a stronger foundation. See guys, there is opportunity for us to become stronger leaders in our church if we take the time and effort to apply the scriptures that we've learned, to learn on our own and to study just as much as it is to be involved in the church. Because if you go and learn to study on your own, that's going to help you. It's going to fill your heart with God's truth. It's going to fill you with God's voice in your heart. So that when you get into those situations where the Holy Spirit's like, ah, dude, no, you're not supposed to be doing that. It's because that the Holy Spirit is taking those words, the truth in your heart, and bringing it out. He wants to say, hey, remember what it said in, you know, Matthew 13, you know, it talks about the good soil, you know, like it starts doing that to you. And that's, that means that you're growing because there is that discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. Remember that. So we're going to go into the second half of the verse 23. And then it says, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. I want you guys to understand this is defining discipleship. At first, I didn't think about it, but it does define discipleship. See, one of the things that I I, I loved growing up when I was, especially as a young man, I loved reading in Psalms. Psalms 1 is a very good chapter. It's short and sweet, but it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless shafts scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, you got to understand this chapter has a lot of meaning. It fits the good soil because it talks about a tree that's planted along the riverbank. Now, if we all know that Jesus is the true life, water life, okay? So it's talking about when we're planted by God planted by his word, planted by Jesus, you're getting fed the nutrients from the water that makes you into a strong tree, which allows you to bear fruit at the right season, which if you talk about Matthew, harvest time, right? Their leaves never wither. It means they never die. They prosper in all they do. Now, the wicked is just the opposite. Basically, if it, when it's talking about verse 4 of Psalms 1, it says that, but not the wicked, they will. They are like worthless shaft. Now, shaft, if you ever seen a wheat field, right? Sometimes, and there is, it's interesting, a parable after the parable we're talking about, which we'll get into, there is basically wheatish weed that look like weed, or wheat, but they're actually a weed. And when, a lot of times what happens is when they would 
scythe up the, the hay, they would, you know, or I say the wheat, they'd take the seeds, right? And they'd just kind of break them down, break them down. And then they put it like on this blanket and kind of throw up in a little bit in the air. And the wind would come in and take the bad, uh, bad parts, the bad shaft. But it also, they'll be able to see that there's weed coming in at the same time because they grow next to each other. Anyway, the shaft is the, the covering of the, the wheat, right? So when they throw up in the air, the, the heavy part drops down while the shaft floats away. That is basically what it's describing in this moment, okay? They're like shaft, okay? So the idea behind this is that we are looking at the fruit of the harvest, okay? Matthew talks about that it'll be... 30, 60, and 100 times as much. Now, we all know when a plant grows, what else does it also provide when it's fully grown and solid? Seeds, okay? If we were to take an apple and we cut it in half, we find seeds in it, right? If you go to a, go to a cherry tree, every cherry has a seed in it, right? So the idea is that you guys got to understand is that as a tree grows and becomes strong and healthy, so does the fruit. It bears good fruit and that fruit that has a seed in it is representing the idea of discipleship every fruit that gets that falls off gets picked up and then the seed gets thrown in the ground that seed becomes the next tree that grows which is another believer and then another and another so the idea is that the harvest is there it's an opportunity for us to be disciples and, and actually disciplers of other disciples, which then when they grow strong, they do it. That's why it's very important for you and I to have the understanding of creating the atmosphere and creating the, the I forgot what the word is, ah, but creating the place where when people come into our presence, into our church, and we're, you know, we see a new, new young man or a man who's accepted Christ, and they're new and they're hungry, we should get behind them and encourage them, build them up and see them grow because that's discipleship. So I don't know what it's like in your guys' churches. I don't know if you are seeing men get behind other men and seeing them grow. If that, if you guys are doing that, that is awesome. That's discipleship. But what about you? You who are listening to this, do you do anything? Are you participating in helping? Or are you just saying... No, the leaders of the church got it because that's not their own. The one thing you got to understand, that is not their responsibility to do all that. You are just as responsible for the next man as much as the pastor or a church leader. So if you are not helping out, you're not doing what you should be doing, which is helping other men. And a lot of times a lot of men say, well, I'm not. I'm not str strong enough to do it. I don't have the education. Don't have well, you can gain the understanding by studying like we talked in the first half of this episode. You could take the time. You can study the truth. You can learn how to pray. You can learn how to study. You can, you know, share a devotional. I mean, that's one way of doing it. It's like, hey, dude, you know, there's this devotional I've been working on. It's been really great. I was just wondering if you would like to use it. And they're like, oh, oh, that's awesome. Thanks, man. And so now you have a way to talk to them and you can share what you've been growing from it. So that way, when they come to you, you know, you can say, hey, what would you think about chapter one or chapter two? That's devotion. I mean, discipleship. Okay. That's what it looks like. Because you're sharpening each other's sword. You're helping each other grow and you're encouraging one another. 
That's all part of discipleship. Okay? That's the one thing that that's always bugged me is when I hear people say, well, I don't have the education. Well, you don't have the education because you're not studying on your own. You've kind of taken the side of, I have fire insurance and I'm good because I'm, I, I have a, you know, a bad life or I still make bad choices, which is something you got to work on. You, if, you ha- if you know you're having these problems in sin and you're struggling in your walk, you need to work on it. You need to find a way to be able to build up up a stronger foundation because you can be the one that's getting choked by the thorns and you could be the one that was in rock as soon as something hard happens you get ripped out and if you're in the thorns you're gonna get choked out by the world's desires and you're gonna be choked up by your your sin that you've been embracing because you haven't necessarily given up on it well i know i i'm just not good enough i'm not good enough so that being said, if I were to go to First Corinthians, uh, sorry, Second Corinthians five, and we go to starting in sixteen, it says, "So we have stopped ele- ele- uh, evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person." The old life is gone. A new life has begun. ESV, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Understand this. Understand this. Verse 18 even says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. It is our duty to bring people to understanding who Christ is. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering of our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, there is no excuse for us to not be. And the funny part is the name of the titling of this section is called We Are God's Ambassadors. It is our duty to disciple. I want you guys to think about it. It is our duty to disciple. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your duty. You'll be surprised of opportunity after opportunity that God has already presented to you as an opportunity to disciple someone else. But you allowed your fear, you allowed that your inexperience to waver from that. The truth is, how do you think people get good at discipling other people? They don't, they're not naturally good at it. They, they've learned, they've grown, and their confidence comes because they've studied God's word. Their confidence comes because they pray. Their confidence comes because they work on their walk with Christ so that they have a better understanding when they deal with somebody how to help them through the process. Do you think that I or anyone that you would consider a pastor or a Christian leader just naturally figured this all out? No, I was shy 
as a kid, I hated talking in front of people. I was not wanting to be a leader. I thought I was just going to be a type of follower. And I had no plans of becoming a pastor. Yet, God used my life, situations, people's uh, struggles, everything to mold me and go into that direction. He even called me in 2002. I tried to compromise and tried to do other things while helping in youth group. But God wanted me in ministry. Now, not everybody, not every one of you that's listening is meant to be in ministry full time like me. You might be called to just be a Bible study leader. You might have to do Sunday school. You might just be someone that serves and helps. But discipling has nothing to do with all that. Discipling is opportunity to see someone else grow in Christ. It's our, oppor- it's our opportunity to share the gospel message with other people. Because remember, it's a task of reconciling people to him, to Christ, to God. Understand that. That means at work, while you're doing your business or while you're working for sheet metal while you're doing your trash like your your trash man or trash woman that picks up trash understand this i should i should say a sanitation engineer that's the word so those are opportunities those people that are around you that you could share god's truth oh you know i don't want them to know i'm a christian or you know i don't feel comfortable talking about faith well God always provides opportunity. I, I've I've seen it, gone through it. I know what it's like. I, I did drafting for four years. I worked for a house company. I worked for a basically HVAC company uh, union, and it was all men. I have worked for even a big, you know, a bigger company that uh, did all sorts of stuff from HVAC, electrical, and plumbing. So. I've been in many situations and the union one was the most interesting of the ones. And I couldn't, I I did not know how God was going to ever use me in this place, but he did. And the funny part is it wasn't necessarily mean. It was another guy who saw that I was a Christian. He said he was the things that I was sharing with him and, and even the sermons I was sharing with him, he got impacted and he changed because he saw that he only had one hand on the cross and one hand in the world which is what what is like that like it's like the thorns he was getting choked by his sin where it was starting to affect his life so much so that it didn't click to him until he picked up his baby girl to go put her to bed and it clicked to him the understanding of how god sent his son to die for him and for his baby girl and there was no way that he would give her up and that he was holding on to the sin life and he changed and he became basically a missionary overnight and every time the men would come into his room, he would fin- do the work that he needed to get done with him. And he'd tell them, it's never too late to know that Jesus loves you. It's never too late to run back to him. And they just, uh, whatever. And every day they just saw how much he changed. He wasn't going with them to do drinks. He wasn't going with them to go to places that he shouldn't be going. And he suddenly, you know, he was more interested about getting home, being with his family, loving his daughter, helping his wife. Like his whole world changed. And he talked about Jesus all the time. And he started seeing Jesus in a way he never saw before. You see change can happen even though i wasn't i wasn't the instrument of preaching left and right but just discipling him that's what discipleship was like just discipling him changed him not because of me but because the holy spirit moved in his heart 
because I was walking the walk. See, it's not hard to disciple if you're walking the walk that you're supposed to. If you are creating the strong foundation you're supposed to have, opportunity is always there to help people reconcile with God. It is your duty to disciple. Don't be blind. Pay attention to these opportunities. It may not be just at church. It could be at your work. Someone who keeps asking you questions about your faith, but you're not paying attention for the right motives because you keep thinking they're just looking for ways to fight you or go against you, but in reality, they're looking for truth. People are hungry. Pay attention to those opportunities. Don't let them fall away the... the don't fall away to the side, guys. Don't let it fall away. You be accountable for those. In the white throne judgment, God's going to ask you, how come you didn't talk to Timmy? He was asking about me. Don't allow fear to be in the way. Don't allow fear to control your willingness to tell about the gospel, tell people about the gospel. Because um, it's easy to do it for your family. It's easy to maybe even do it at church. But when we're getting out to the real world, when you're out in the community, you know, what if you're one of those guys that goes to the same coffee shop every day and this, you know, the, the people that work there know you? Have you ever shared to them about, you know, who God is to you? You know, how much how much you love Jesus? Uh, maybe even share a prayer request. That's the kind of things I do. I just simple things sometimes with people. I go, oh, you know, did an awesome job and they're like oh what do you do and you share and they're like oh wow and that that's a seed you know he may not ask you or she may not ask you another question about it but you don't know if she knows someone else then she may be asking questions because see the cool thing about nick was everybody knew i was a christian but their curiosity wasn't on me their curiosity was on how nick changed Later on in the, in the story, about a year later, I had one guy who I would ride down every Tuesday to do a project down in Colorado Springs. And we'd talk here and there, but he never really got in-depth with any Christian talk, per se. But kind of did. And I just planted. I didn't, I didn't force a push. And I remember he asked me to come to his office, close the door, and I thought I was in trouble. And he was like, you're not in trouble. He goes, I just want to share with you that I want to stop drinking and I want to take my kids back to church. I want them to know what you know. And he's like, and I want them to know because of what I saw happen with Nick. Because what you, he's like, what you didn't know is that, you know, I go and I talk to Nick about things, but I ask Nick questions. And seeing Nick change really impacted me. You see, the thing is, guys, he was impacted by me, but he was impacted by Nick because of change. He saw the change in him. And because Nick was building a stronger foundation, that made this guy more interested in change, understanding who God was. You see, you don't know what your little bit of seed throwing can do into someone else's life that could impact someone else's life. Then that not just him, but now it's impacting his family. And I don't know 
what's happened with his family because we lost touch after all these years but the fact that that seed was planted that seed was planted you can see what it means in Matthew when it's talking about 30 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted got to understand it's our duty it's an opportunity don't falter away from these opportunities to disciple don't falter from these opportunities to share the truth People are hungry. They want to know that it is God that loves them. Let them know. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you move men that are listening to this podcast, that their hearts will be changed, that they'll understand that there's a purpose for them, that they have a duty to go and share the gospel, but also to be willing to disciple because discipling is not hard. They don't let it be hard. Just opportunity to speak about you talking and someone who is growing, who wants to grow. When someone is a, a new person, a seekered person who seeking out the truth, wants to know, and they accept Christ, they honestly need our help to disciple them. I ask that you open these eyes that they may see people who need that partnership, that mentorship, and that you give courage to any of these men that are listening and even the women that are listening to be able to get behind those people and encourage them to build them up, to help them to build a stronger foundation. Don't let them falter. Let them find a solid ground to grow. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all be blessed.